This is Rio of Madison Rising, and you're listening to our acoustic version of the Star Spangled Banner here on KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stride in bright stars through the perilous fight oh the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming in the rockets red
You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome to God's Pure Word of Faith. I'm Richard Harden, and again, I want to thank the Lord and the management of KLRN Radio for this great opportunity to share God's Word with you today. I'm going to have a little different type of program today. I'm going to be sharing with you about my six books that I've written. Not that I'm out here to sell books, but uh, to me they're like tracks. They're, uh, well, I have one book that's 230-something pages. It's not like a track, but uh, the other five are. They're about 50 to 80, 100 pages and uh, pretty large print. So it, it's that you can share with your friends and relatives, and you can reread them and and get the understanding too. Because uh, my purpose is not, like I said, to sell books. I've given away about, uh, oh, I guess about twenty-five thousand copies of my books here in the Oklahoma City area and around the country as I travel back and forth, um, just trying to get the message that are in the books out. Because in writing these. Uh, I just for years after I became a Christian and, and I received the changed heart changed life and, and the, the joy of it and everything to know that you know your, your salvation is settled and that you know it's taken care of and now it's just serving the Lord and doing what you can to help other people you'll know, receive that changed heart and changed life it's not just going to church and doing things over and over and over, you know, like that, rituals and stuff like that. But uh, it's a personal walk with the Lord and, and turning to Him. And, and like, what is it, uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing. So anytime you start getting anxious or concerned about something, be anxious for nothing. But in all things, with prayer and supplication, let your request be known to the, you know, the Lord. You know, uh, turning to Him and walking with Him like this, it's such a... 
a great life doesn't mean we won't have problems because the devil's going to be coming against us all the time trying to do what he can to to mislead us and everything and that's the reason that I've written these books is to try to help you in seeing some of the ways in our society that the devil has been trying to keep people from responding properly correctly to God's love to us because God has sent his love to us in so many ways but the devil doing everything he can to block that love so that we won't respond correctly and you can see in our society today there's so much criticism of Christianity and everything that the devil's doing a fairly good job in our society today in turning people from Christ turning people from Christianity and even caring about it um, the material in each one of my six books you should pick one book just at random any one of them could change a lost person's life any one of them could change a Christian's life because there are so many errors being um, taught in our society that's hindering Christians from becoming the type of people or the, the person God wants you to be um, it, it just amazes me the after being in church I think it was 20 something plus years uh, you know and I didn't think it was any you know problem like that with Christianity or what was being taught or anything I just you know um, went about the motions of it and everything but when Christ came into my heart and I started reading trying to find out more and, and like this I'd say where does that come from or I would look up a reference somebody put in a book that I was reading and it wouldn't say what they said it said you know they could be typos that keep it from it and everything but I found that to be kind of a common practice but uh, there are subjects that are being taught in our society that are just made up for an example uh, one well I guess it might as well the, the, the word of faith movement teaches uh, Jesus went to hell and fought the devil and came out you know victorious with the keys to the kingdom uh, that sounds so good but you know good is not necessarily God and God won't back up something just because it sounds good and Proverbs 30 verse 5 and 6 says every word of God is pure shield them put their trust in add thou not to it lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar see because we can think of something good like that and make up the story doesn't mean that it's it's glorifying God in any way if it's not true now the truth is Jesus could not have went to hell and fought the devil because the devil has never been in hell the devil's not in hell right now as I'm sharing with you and he never will be in hell in Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 before the white throne judgment starts the devil and his angels are cast into the lake of fire for eternal punishment and he's not going to be the supervisor there either when he gets there he's going to be tormented day and night but see the devil is here on earth today deceiving people he's not in hell down there with a pitchfork supervising and torment and things like that that's just a made-up fable but Jesus didn't also go down there and fight the devil because the devil's not in hell leave him go fight if you look in I think it's a first Peter chapter 3 and 4 it says that when Jesus during that time from his death on the cross till he was resurrected he he went and spoke to the Saints of the Old Testament some way or another now it doesn't say exactly which Saints of the Old Testament it doesn't clarify it or anything like that but two or three times it says there in chapters first um, Peter 3 and 4 it says that Jesus went and spoke to the spirits of the uh, people of the Old Testament now you can look that up and read it and see what you want to get out of it or what it means to you and everything but that's about as clear as it tells it and uh, but, but but he wasn't going down there fighting the devil God anointed Jesus you know and exalted him to the fullness of Godhead body that gave him all power heaven and earth you know that uh, all power and authority and Matthew chapter 2018 says that uh, all power and 30 authority has been given unto him go ye therefore you know teach and preach the gospel and everything now so it, it wasn't Jesus fighting that's just a made-up story now I don't know how something like that would get started but there's millions of people across our country around the world that believe that because it's been taught so much 
but that's not true, and it doesn't glorify God to share something like that. God's getting, God of the Bible is getting a bad rap in our community because there's so many things like that being taught that way. And I'll share with you a couple more that are, I address in my book and everything, books as I go through them in just a minute. But uh, four of my books address the poor, incorrect image of God that's being taught by our Christian society. Now, and this is so serious because, you know, incorrect image of God, uh, it's very serious because our image of God determines how we choose to relate to it. And you know yourself, uh, you have different friends, uh, and you relate to them in different ways depending on uh, how you uh, learn that they are, you know, as you get to know them, you know, how they respond to certain things. Well, you might not mention something areas to this friend. Well, some other friend over here. See, you relate different to people according to how you determine them to be and how they will respond to you back and forth. Well, our relationship with God is determined by how we believe in God, too. You know, uh, what type of characteristics he has, you know, and, and things like this, what he wants us to do. But it's being taught so different, just like I just mentioned there, than, than what the Scripture says. Now, how we relate to him is very important. So four of my books address different areas like that uh, to discuss it. Then I have two of my books. There are so many errors being taught that hinder us from being able to understand and respond correctly to God in faith. The only way we can please God, Hebrews 11, 6 says, um, the only way we can please God is through faith, acceptance, and obedience to his word. But there are so many things going around in our society. It seems like everybody makes up a different definition of faith or what faith is. And uh, I'm going to discuss that in just a minute, too, in one of my first books I put out. Now, I've priced my books as, as low as the publishers will just about allow me to, uh, just so they can make some money off of it. You know, they wouldn't publish them if they didn't think they'd be making some money, and they'd have to stay in business, you know, to be able to publish more books in the future and everything. But I've priced them as low as I can. My small books are only about $7, and I'll tell you what, $7 for a person's life to be changed is, is a very, very low price and everything because, you know, there's thousands and thousands of dollars being spent throughout the Christian community on worthless books. I've, I hear on television and radio these programs that um, have packages and even one large church here in town <coughs> has a, had a, well, a couple of years ago, a large package, 40-something, 50-something dollars on how to get rid of generational curses. And, and you hear that uh, from radio and television programs all around our country and everything. There's no such thing as a generational curse today. You can get rid of them free if you think you have them just by reading Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18, the whole chapter tells what God has ended that. There's no such thing today as a generational curse. Now, you may have <coughs> excuse me, some things happening in your life because of your ancestors because of your, your moms and dads certainly were all influenced. My dad was alcoholic and he was divorced from my mother when I was about age two years old. I didn't even know what a mother was till I was in the second grade and I heard some kids talking about their mothers. But, you know, your life can certainly be influenced by bad parents and things like this. But that's not a generational curse. A generational curse would be God doing it to you. God wasn't cursing me with you know, an alcoholic dad and everything like that. He got me into a Baptist children's home in Memphis, Tennessee, and I lived up in the flatlands of Missouri out in the country, 20 miles from the nearest doctor. And he got me from there to the uh, brand-new Baptist children's home that was being opened in Memphis, Tennessee. I was there the first day in, um, let's see, the first Sunday in 1950 when it opened all the way from out there in the sticks in the country, God got me there, and I was able to, you know, have three good meals a day and, you know, clothes to wear and things like this. God was, he didn't curse me because of my dad and everything, the way my dad was. Uh, it just, 
there is no such thing as a generational curse. See, that's a waste of time for people to say it. Now, if I had bad feelings toward my dad, though, and I, you know, was hurt and everything because I was neglected and all this, you know, with all this pity party that some people go through, you know, like that. Well, I would need to get that out of my heart because, like in Second Corinthians, um, let's see, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says, Forgive others lest you give Satan advantage. If I was still holding, you know, any type of hate or bitterness or something like that because of the way uh, my dad was and we were raised, I'd have a problem because I, holding that unforgiveness would cause me to be opening the door to the devil in my life. And my sister has had that problem all of her life. She has helped, she has been hurt so bad. She never got counseling. She never got the help. And, and it just is so sad the kind of life that she's lived and and it just it's sad to even discuss or think about like that and trying to talk with her visit with her and share with her and everything but to have been hurt so bad and everything uh, but see things like this generational curses do not exist but they're being taught throughout Christianity and people are selling big packages of books and tapes and videos and everything like this to get rid of generational curses you need to get rid of any type of hurt or hate in your heart that may be caused by your ancestors but that's not a curse from God that doesn't exist people don't understand what a curse from God is you read what happened to King Saul when God pulled his spirit from King Saul, he ran all over the country trying to, trying to hear from God, trying to get a word, trying to get direction. You know, when God curses somebody, we haven't seen that in our day because he doesn't do that today. Anyway, just different things like this in our books. Like I said, I've priced these very low, you know, like that, because $7 for any of my books like that is just for a changed life is so small when millions and millions of dollars are being spilled on fables and lies that are being taught in our community. Now, my website, which I'm going to run commercial again in just a minute here, um, I also have 18 videos that uh, I would encourage you to go look at some of those, you know, deliverance prayer, you know, about um, faith, developing faith in your life and things like this. You know, I have a link to 20 blogs on my website use these to help benefit you and your families you know each each of you should have um, a testimony of your changed heart and changed life to share with your grandchildren to share with your children you know cousins and brothers and sisters and like this and uh, encourage them to share with you their testimony and if a person can't share a testimony of a changed heart and changed life, they probably have never received one. See, and that's the seriousness of it is that uh, don't just treat good people as if they're Christians. In Matthew chapter 7, uh, Jesus says, Many are going to say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done these great, wonderful works? And he's going to say to them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. See, uh, a person can be a good person going to church services regularly and you know and during that 20 something years I thought I was a Christian I you know even taught classes you know joined in on uh, church boards and different things like this uh, like other men of the church <laughs> but I didn't have any spirit of Christ in my heart I'd never humbled myself when I was nine years old and I went to that children's home I guess my aunt thought I needed to be a Baptist or need to be a Christian or something but she told me well, I need to go forward you know and tell the preacher I love the Lord and get baptized and this and I did that first day in May in 1950 I went out there and signed in to children's home after that and went back that night and got baptized and as far as I'm concerned you know the adults told me I was a Christian and all those years I'd say yep I'm a Christian I ain't perfect but I'm a Christian and that's all I knew about it but when I turned to the Lord in 1974 and, and the problems so bad and everything like this, I said, Lord, if you're really real like that Bible says, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and, and create in me a, you know, a new heart like this and just pour it out to the Lord. You know, I said, and if, if you're really real and want that relationship with me, I would like to have that relationship with you if what the Bible says is you know, real and true. And I said, I don't want to go on a feeling. I want to know what's you. I'm not going to quit smoking. I'm not going to quit drinking. I'm not going to quit anything until I know what's you. But I will if you show me. 
in a way that six months from now somebody can't tell me that I just had an emotional experience. I said, you know, I just, I don't want that. I want the real relationship. And the Lord changed things in me. I tell you, in the next couple of days, so many things happened. It, it was just, I was, I was amazed. I was shocked. My change in attitude about my fancy cars just went away. They just, I couldn't believe I could, I'd love those things so much. And you know, a little 57 T-Bird with a clip-off top and a brand new, you know, Lincoln Town Car special ordered from the factory. I love those cars. And I looked out the window and I saw them and said, wow, we need family cars. You know, my wife had mentioned that and I, I couldn't believe I was saying it myself. And really inside my heart, that's what I wanted. So I knew something in me inside had changed, and I didn't do it. And then a couple of days later, I saw the rest of my vodka sitting up there in the refrigerator, and I said, wow, I completely forgot about that. And so I just, no attachment to it, poured it out, and that's it. And now smoking was a little bit harder to quit, but anyway, so. But things like this, picked up the Bible, started reading it, and I was so shocked by what I saw in it. And I, I couldn't believe it. I'd had Bibles all over my house for those years. And all that information there and everything. But see, it came alive to me because with Christ in my heart, he's the author of the Bible, the living word. God, the living word, inspiring the people that wrote the Bible and scriptures and things like this. And it just came alive to me in a way that I had trouble. And, you know, I, I couldn't seem to hardly want to put it down. I wanted to just keep reading it. See, things changed. I mean, I knew I didn't make those changes. You can't just change your own heart. Like your mother tell you, eat that spinach, it's good for you. You might eat it because she's standing there. But that don't mean that you're going to enjoy it and like it. Well, I was enjoying and liking, you know, this new life, this new heart. And that's what people need, the changed heart, changed life. If, if, if you can't experience one of those right now as far as uh, understanding what I'm talking about and everything like that, start praying and seeking the Lord. Because Jesus says you must be born again. And like in Ezekiel 36, 26, where the scripture says, A new heart also will I give you, a new spirit will I put within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you. See, that's when we're born into the family of God, then when he puts his spirit in us, and we start with a clean heart. All those problems, all that hate and everything I had in my heart before I prayed that night, a couple of days later I thought about some people that I just hated so much and everything, and all of a sudden, all I could think of, they need to know what I've found. They need what I've got now. And, you know, I was just thinking of them in love that they need what's happened in my heart. You know, the changed heart and everything because there were a bunch of people. We were together in different activities and everything like that. And they were in the same shape I was in. But anyway, a love that came into me, that was the greatest change in my heart. It, it just almost like I say shocked, you know, but when I started recognizing these things that had happened, it it was shocking because it dawned on me that I had been living that 20-something years thinking I was a Christian, and I'd come so close to dying so many times, and then right at the last instant it would seem like that something would happen, and I'd get out of it. I wouldn't die, you know, like a Lone Ranger ride in and save you and spare you right at the last minute. Something was happening like that to me. And during those years, I, you know, kind of feared it was God, you know, that did it and everything. But it didn't dawn on me that if I had died, that I wouldn't have been a Christian. I'd have been standing for the Lord, and He'd say, "Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you worker of iniquity." What good works I did do during that time? He said, "I never knew you." I tell you, it's just, it was so shocking to me. It, it kind of put a fear in me of how close I had come to going off into eternity of hell. And then I started thinking about all my buddies and my friends that seemed to, you know, have the same type, you know, activities and testimonies and beliefs and everything. Well, anyway, I'm, after this first break here, I'll get back and I want to share with you about some of the more of the information in my book but so much is being taught in our society that that it's just made up or it's twisted around like one thing that I have time before the first break to share with you you'll hear all these people you know when something like 9-11 happens or some other disaster and like this you'll hear these preachers that are being interviewed on TV or what and they say well God's in control you know he works in mysterious ways you know he'll work something good out of it or something like that that's not a scripture. 
what the scripture says if you want to look it up first John 5 first John chapter 5 verse 17 and through 19 says that the devil is in control of this world he said what the devil's in control God's got all the power and authority Jesus says all power and authority is given unto me so how can the devil have control simple second Corinthians I mentioned a while ago chapter 2 verses 10 and 11 says that forgive others lest you give Satan advantage anytime I'm holding unforgiveness the devil has advantage in my life and is controlling me because I'm out of fellowship with God my prayers are being hindered and he has the control that's how he gets his control like a first Peter 3 7 husbands dwell with your wives according to knowledge being joint heirs of grace of life as unto the weaker vessel lest your prayers be hindered husband's wife relationship to husband's wife or it can be just parents and children or, or you just anybody you're related to like that if you're if you're out of fellowship with them in a in a way like that 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 you aren't loving your neighbor as yourself because you know that's what the Lord calls us to do uh, the devil's gonna have control in your life during this time pray for those that despitefully use you if you argue back and fight then see you're going against what the Lord has instructed us to do and the devil's gonna have advantage in your situation and just on and on like this uh, we turn the advantage over to the devil by our considering God's Word to be you know just hey, maybe a good principle a good principle to live by you know we should try that you know if all else fails you know pray or if you know some things like this no that's not right God has exalted his word above all his names it says in Psalms 138 too because God and his word are the same when we know something's God's word it's God that we're rejecting if we reject his word because he and his word are the same and this is what happened in Hebrews chapter 3 verses 12 to 19 where it says the children of Israel uh, refused to enter into the promised land because of an evil heart of unbelief and departing from living God they knew it was God's will to cross over but they didn't trust him enough to take care of them in the giants so they refused to cross over and it was an evil heart of unbelief you are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. 
Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome back. Well, I've taken about half the program and I haven't got to my specific books yet. I'm going to start with the first book I wrote. It was published back in 19, no, 19, wasn't it? That's how old I am, still say 1900s. Anyway, 2001, Choosing Faith with Love. Choosing Faith with Love. This comes from a book that back in 1970, let's see, back 1979 through 89, something like that, had a 10-year radio program, and it was concerning me so much. I'd just become a Christian, and... Uh, I was hearing so many different things about faith, and it troubled me because as I was reading through the scriptures, I'd find where it said, you know, you must pray in faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. In Hebrews 11:6, we inherit the promises through faith. Um, Hebrews 6:12, the gospel only profits us through faith. Faith. Hebrews 4:2, and everything on, not of faith is sin. And you know, I said, well, I was getting answers to prayer, and I was really enjoying my relationship with the Lord, and, and I was, you know, leading people in worship each night on the radio and everything, people getting saved and blessed and everything. But but I was wanting to know, what about faith? Maybe I'm missing something. I kept studying like that. So I, um, I started trying to determine then uh, just what faith specifically was or is, however you want to say it like that. And uh, as I did this, the Lord started showing me the difference in some other words, like the difference in, you know, belief and unbelief and uh, things like this. And as I started getting this understanding then, I put out a little book called, you know, uh, Choose Faith. Well, and got about 2,000 copies of it because that was back in the days where you had to have typesetting and all these different things. And. Um, my family and I, we did a lot of the binding and stuff ourselves. Uh, but to choose faith. Now, in, in making that title or choosing that title, we have so much to do in whether we receive more faith or not. Like today, uh, we can pick up the scriptures and start reading and, and praying and asking God then to let the words come alive to us, to come alive in our hearts. And see, we can grow in faith just about any time we choose to if we're really seriously concerned about it. Now, in my book, Choose Faith with Love, uh, after a few years, God started you impressing on me. You know, there's not just, you know, accepting, obeying his word and griping about it and going with the wrong attitude and everything. It's, you know, like the scripture says, it's faith that worketh by love. Then when the computer started getting you know, pretty easy to get in around the mid-90s and like that, uh, God just kept speaking to me to change that and add to it. Choose faith with love. And and that's what we need to do, going and sharing for the Lord and working and serving with Him. Like if you tell one of your children, take out the trash, and they gripe and grumble taking out the trash. You know, that doesn't please you like, oh, sure, Dad, yeah, Um I'll take it out. I'll be back in a minute. And they run, take it out. You know, that'd be so pleasing to you to have a child respond like that. And that's the way it is with the Lord. When he asks us to do something, teach a class, he doesn't want us to just go teach that class griping and grumbling and everything. He wants to be able to go with us and, you know, work with us in it and help us and things like this. But in writing this book, I came up with being an engineer, some um, examples of these relationships like doubt. Doubt is when you... uh, have more than one possibility of something to do when you're in doubt. And to get out of doubt, you set yourself to seek the Lord. And so I have chapters in here on how to recognize you're in doubt and, you know, start seeking the Lord. And like it says in Isaiah chapter 34, Scripture says, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. And that's what you should do. It's what I should do. Each of us, you know, should seek the promises and the scriptures and everything and the, the, the things that he wants us to do and obeying him and uh, it's impossible please God without faith accepting some obedience his word well then um, 
belief, coming to know God's word. Well, once we come to know God's word, the belief point, it says in James chapter 2, verse 19, the devils believe and tremble. When Jesus come in the presence of the demons, they'd cry out, Jesus, our son of the most high God, why do you torment us for our time? You know, so when we believe and know that Jesus is God's son and all this, you know, we think, you know, we're, we're doing so great and everything, but the devils, and the demons knew that and even confessed it. Jesus, our son of the most high God, see, why do you torment us for our time? Well, see, so what is it about belief then that uh, it gets us to a point of where we know about God and know about Jesus and, and we know the plan of salvation or whatever you want to call it, the, the gospel message that we're a sinner, that Jesus is the answer for our sins. He's died on the cross for our sacrifice to take the place of those sacrifices they did in the Old Testament and they resurrected and his spirit will come and live in our heart today but in, in believing and knowing that is not salvation just knowing it in your head intellectually so what's the difference the difference is you humble yourself to that and say Lord please forgive me my sins please come into my heart creating me the new heart the new life and I commit my life to you it's that turning to him with all your heart then and to receive him into your heart that's when we receive the new heart the new life and we're born into the spirit of god like apostle paul says in romans 12:13 we're all baptized into the body of christ by one spirit are we all baptized into the body of christ and it's when um, well what is it, Galatians 4, 6, And because your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore you no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then heir of God through Christ. See, I explain all these relationships like it, how simple it is to accept and obey God's word to faith. Well, it's not simple to do that, but it's simple to understand that you need to do it. Like Philippians 2, 14, do all things without complaining and arguing. You know, I'm going to wind up arguing. I'm going to wind up somehow or another you don't complain but when you catch yourself doing that you've got to say Lord please help me get out of this help me forgive me help me to be better the next time when I get in a situation like this help me you know uh, see it's an attitude of wanting God's help and getting us out of it or walking with us in it but just saying oh well that's impossible I can't do that you know that's not receiving his word but it's that effort to try and that's why Jesus came and walked a perfect walk of faith because he knew we couldn't do it as human but yet he did it for us and we must try to do it with our heart try to do his word the way he wants us to as best we can everything love your neighbor as yourself and uh, there's so many subjects in this, the book here explaining that doubt seeking unbelief uh, walking by faith hearing God speak a lot of these subjects in uh, choosing faith with love are or like results of messages that I'd shared out at the uh, federal prison in El Reno, Oklahoma, um, out there about 30-something years of, you know, preaching and teaching and whatever they need me to do and everything like that. But putting all these together like this, God's great and precious promises come to us through faith. You know, when we receive Christ in our heart, Christ in us, our hope of glory, joint heirs with Jesus to all of God's promises, See, they're available to us, but we must receive them by faith, which means we must study and seek God's word and find his promises and receive them into our heart. They're available to us, but we've got to, you know, respond correctly and caring enough to seek out the promise. If you had a rich uncle die, you'd certainly go set and listen to the will. You see if your name's in there and you had any promises. See, we got it better than that. Christ, the living Word of God, the creator of the universe, comes to live in our heart and shares these promises with us. We need to know them. And it says in Hebrews, if there's anything you need to fear, you need to fear missing some of God's promises. It says that. It says they're so great that God wanted us to, as heirs of salvation, to experience his promises. It says in, well, Hebrews chapter 6, I think. I can't remember right off. But it says he double sealed the promises. He spoke the promises, and then he swore by an oath that he wouldn't break the promises. And he didn't need to do that because, you know, if he spoke the promises, that's good enough. But he double-sealed them for us that we would, you know, be able to 
experience them so much. Now, uh, prayer changes things. There's so many examples in my book here about how God, you know, changes things for people. Uh, like, for example, the story of Jonah and Nineveh. God told him he's going to destroy him in 40 days. Told Jonah, go tell him. Going to destroy him in 40 days. Jonah went and told him. And even that evil king telling his people said, well, you know, if we humble ourselves and, you know, turn to the Lord and change our ways, maybe God will change. That evil king told his people that. And they did it. They did it, and uh, God didn't destroy him. God did change. God changes uh, for people all through the Bible and so many scriptures, I mean, so many uh, ministers and everything, you know, pray, you know, you know, God won't change the circumstance, but he'll change a person praying. Yes, he'll do both. God changed for Nineveh. He's not a respecter of persons. He will change for us if we humble ourselves. And all through the scriptures, there's so many uh, places where God encourages us to change. Well, one of the favorite scriptures that used to be in all the revivals I'd sit in as a kid would be Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, If my people call my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, heal their land, and you know, forgive their sins. See, but he's waiting for us to make the choice to change. And it just, anyway, there's so much in this book, 230-something pages of so much good information and everything. Let me just share with you a little bit right here at the start of it on the first page. I was talking about faith a while ago. Um, a lot of people are teaching and preaching that Hebrews 11.1 1 is the definition of faith, where it says, you know, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And they call that, you know, the definition of faith. Uh, this is not a definition of faith. It talks about faith, and it's true that faith is a substance of things hoped for. But what this is saying here is that when we see our hopes being fulfilled, faith is a substance fulfilling our hopes, even though we can't see it. Now, for an example, like uh, some dark night, you go into a dark room, you come into your house, you've done this over and over, and so have I. When you open the front door, you hope to flip the light switch and have light in the room so you can see to enter. When we flip the light switch and the light turns on, we could say that electricity is a substance that turned on the light and fulfilled our hope, even though we can't see it. And it is evident that electricity is present since the light filled the room. Now, rewording that would result in electricity is a substance of things hoped for, the light, and the evidence of things not seen. Even though we didn't see it, we know the electricity is there and caused the light to come on. Now, is that a definition of electricity? No, it's not a definition of electricity. But it tells us when we can uh, know that electricity is being manifested there, it's because the light will come on. And that's what Hebrews 11.1 is saying. Faith is a substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Faith, you know, we know faith is there because it's a substance fulfilling our hope even though we can't see it. Then the rest of chapter 11 called the faith chapter, it tells how faith was manifested in the lives of those great godly people in the Old Testament and everything. See, but Hebrews 11.1 is not a definition of faith. And I've heard so many ministers on TV, radio, and other places will say, now, faith is substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. And bless God, what that means is. And then they'll give their definition of faith. And some of them are so weird and everything. But yet, everybody will make up their own definition, claiming this is it, because they don't understand what it's saying. All Hebrews 11.1 is saying is that when you see your hopes being fulfilled, you can know that faith is being manifested there. Uh, it just, or when you know that when you flip the electric, you know the switch, and the lights come on, you can know that electricity is being manifested and operating through that light, causing the light to come on, even though you can't see the electricity. But you start defining electricity, you got to start about positive and negative ions and electrons and things like this, you know, and, and how they're moving and what's causing them move and stuff. Well, see, that's a definition. But Hebrews 11.1 is not a definition of faith. 
it is when faith is manifesting in your life, you can recognize it because your hopes are being fulfilled and everything. And that's just one of the things, you know, that's so much confusion about what faith is throughout our country and everything. But anyway, one of uh, the first books I wrote then after uh, choosing faith with love is prayer changes things because I know I've had so many prayers, you know, like that. And like I just mentioned a while ago for the children of Nineveh, when uh, children of Nineveh, excuse me, when the Ninevites, when <laughs> Jonah went and told them, you know, God's message, 40 days, they're going to, you know, perish. God's going to destroy them. Well, they humbled themselves. They turned to the Lord and he didn't do it. Uh, God changed because of his love for them. Made Jonah mad, but um, God still changed for them. Uh, God wants to change for us. Let me find a couple of them here. God changed when Moses stood in the way, uh, not stood in the way, but stood in for the children of Israel when God had said he was going to destroy them. This story is given in uh, Exodus chapter 32, verses 9 to 14. Psalms 106:23, where uh, Moses talked to him, pleaded for the people, and God didn't destroy them like he'd said he was going to. Uh, God changed for King Hezekiah. Uh, God sent a message to him, said, set your house in order, you're going to die. Well, Hezekiah prayed or talked to the Lord, and then God sent the prophet Isaiah back and said, uh, thus saith the Lord. He's going to heal you and add 15 years to your life. Uh, you're not going to die like he said you was going to. Um, see, all through the Bible there's stories of God changing like this. And for so many people to say that God doesn't change and everything just set in, you know, uh, like in concrete and it's, it's going to happen and just uh, prayers only to get you in line with God's will for whatever it is that's going to happen. No, things change if, if we turn from evil well, like at Second Chronicles 7.14 while ago, that most people say, uh, if my people call my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. See, things we have to do for this to be fulfilled in our life. And turn from their wicked ways. Now, what are their wicked ways? Failing to seek his will. Failing, you know, to witness, to share, and, and things like this. To serve him and accept his word and obedience and everything. It says, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. He'll heal our land if we'll do that. Um, Jeremiah 18, 8 through 10, God clearly states that he'll change depending on what we choose to do. If that nation against whom I pronounce turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil I thought to do to them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation? To build it and plant it like he's done for our country. He's helped build and plant our country back with our forefathers and everything like that. Uh, it says, if it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherein I said I would benefit them. See, and it, it looks like it, you know, as God is being pushed out of our society and, um, you know, like uh, the visual things, the uh, manger scenes at Christmas, the Ten Commandments, and things like this. Everything of God seems like you know, people are trying to push them out of our society. Well, see, what's left behind then is evil. People don't want to be reminded daily of things of God. That's why they don't want to see these things, the ungodly people in our society, and they're gaining that control and everything. God is waiting for us to turn. And uh, Jeremiah 26 3 says if so be they will hearken and turn every man from his evil way then I will repent me of the evil I propose to do to them because of the evil of their doing now that was Old Testament where he would actually you know punish them there and everything like that but see if if we're holding unforgiveness like the scripture I said before in 2 Corinthians 2 10 11 it says forgive others lest you give Satan advantage if we're holding unforgiveness it won't be God punishing us bring us in he wants us to forgive but if we hold that unforgiveness, we're opening a door and allowing Satan then to come in and do things in our life to harm us, our children, our, you know, jobs, you know, the people there and everything. We can't be the people of God that God wants us to be to be the positive influence if we're holding unforgiveness and giving Satan advantage in our life. 
see we need to get ourselves straightened out like that I don't care how bad or something like that you feel like you've been hurt you're hurting more by allowing Satan to have advantage in your life if you hold that unforgiveness to the other person because God wants that other person to be set free of whatever the evil is they did to you so pray for them to be set free of that evil that caused them to do whatever they did to you and at the same time you'll be setting free being set free and closing that door to Satan and you'll be back in fellowship with God see so it works in such a way that it looks like God's punishing us if we do things wrong but he's not he's wanting to draw us to love to come back but Satan is punishing us because we're giving him advantage in our life it just you know to, to these things like this uh, there's one story in about King Nebuchadnezzar in the scriptures where God gave him a whole year to decide what he was going to do and um, this in Daniel chapter 4 verse verses 1 through 27 gave him a whole year and Daniel told him said uh, O king says let my counsel be acceptable to thee break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor and it may be a lengthening of tranquility from God that is that God might you know uh, turn from these things he says he's going to do to you well at the end of a year the king didn't pay attention to him his advice and he walked out there and started bragging how great it was and he says uh, at the end of 12 months the king came out and said is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom and might of my power for the honor of my majesty and while the words was in the king's mouth there came a voice from heaven saying O King Nebuchadnezzar to thee it is spoken the kingdom is departed from thee twelve months and he made the wrong choice it didn't listen to his advisor um, and there's so many stories like this uh, times where God thought that his children would change in Jeremiah 3 7 I said after Israel had done all these things turn now to me but Israel returned not and then just he had blessed them so much and everything blessed them prayer changes things your prayers are so important but see the devil doesn't want you to know that because um, like Philippians 4 6 I think is one of the greatest encouragements to pray well as, as many of the others but it says be anxious for nothing as soon as you start getting anxious about something take your prayer to the Lord be anxious for nothing but in all things with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known to God then after writing the book on prayer changes things I've written the book on God loved Esau if you look through the scriptures you'll see that God blessed Esau every day of his life now you may not believe that because you've heard so long how God hated Esau but if you look through the scriptures and see Esau's life God gave him Mount Seir before Jacob even got his family his wives and uh, cattle and stuff like this the 20 years he is working for it God had already fought with Esau against the Giants and given Esau Mount Seir and he was living there in his promised land and Jacob was barely getting started see and so um, check that out and God loved Esau and he doesn't say in Malachi that God hated Esau I got time to show that to you or read that to you right now I believe in um, in Malachi where it says that people think it says that God said he hated Esau there's a punctuation problem see punctuation was put into the scriptures by people after the scriptures were written they didn't have punctuation but Malachi 1 verses 1 through 3 says the burden of the Lord to Israel by Malachi now God speaking now I have loved you saith the Lord yet you say now God is going to quote back to the children of Israel the lies they've been telling about him and he says yet you say wherein hast thou loved us was not Esau Jacob's brother saith the Lord yet I love Jacob and I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage to waste for dragons of the wilderness See, they were saying that about God and he's trying to straighten this out now part of what they said is true he did eventually lay the mountains and his heritage to waste because the descendants four or five hundred years after Esau had died attacked the children of Israel when they were coming out of slavery and going to pass by, by Mount Seir if you if you see it in uh, let's see what is Deuteronomy chapter 2 
that God told children of Israel to pass by Mount Seir, leave your brethren alone. I'm not giving you one foot of their land. See, God was protecting the uh, Edomites, Esau's descendants, four or five hundred years after the man Esau was dead. He was protecting them. Now, but when the children of Israel went by, some of the Edomites, Esau's descendants, came out and killed some of the children of Israel and brought the curse of God on them because the promise to the children of Israel was the same promise passed down from Abraham, I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. It wasn't the man Esau. It was his descendants. And so often, you know, um, Esau's name was changed to Edom. And when you see Edom and Esau and like that, it's talking about the descendants of Esau, not the man. The man Esau, God blessed him with that promised land and his promised land in Mount Seir. You know, his whole life he lived there in prosperity and everything and his families and stuff. So it wasn't the man that did that. And this is what he's saying here. Now, God said, I have loved you. See, he's wanting to straighten them up. Yet you say, wherein is thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I, you see, I loved Jacob and hated Esau. No, God never said he hated Esau. See, they were saying that because his descendants had been wiped out and everything, but it wasn't true. Now, there's other stories in the Bible where God does just about the same thing. In, um, in Isaiah 49, 13 to 6, saying, O heavens, and then verse 14, but Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. And then God comes back and says, No, behold, I have graven thee on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. And um, looks like I've run out of time here. The other books have things in it like that, too. So many errors and things that are false that are being taught in our society. And, and anyway, you can't change the world, but I hope to help you that are listening you know, see the truth and, have, and develop a better relationship with the Lord for yourself and your families and your friends. And you know, as Christians, we have a new heart from God and the Spirit of Christ, God's power in us. God is love and His Spirit is in our hearts. In John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love, God, casts out fear because fear is torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love or God yet. So in James 4, 7, the scripture says, Submit therefore to God, or his spirit in you. Resist the devil, fear, and he, the devil in fear, will flee from you. When you start getting apprehensive about something, like starting to fly or a storm coming, looking ahead at what might happen to you in your job, your health, don't just worry and think about these future events. Or maybe something that you're even going through right now. Philippians 4, 6 says, When you start getting anxious, turn to God then by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. Your request and your concern to be known to God. Worrying won't help you one bit, but it will cause you to miss God's blessings to you during that time. So, Choose, make the choice yourself, to set yourself in submission to God, in prayer, talking to God, and counting your blessings from past things, experiences with God. Then watch the devil and fear flee from you. Now, always let your anxiety be a red flag to remind you to pray. God loves you. He will hear you. And in first Colossians one twenty seven, Christ in us our hope of glory. So have a good day, God bless you, and be set free. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books.
ALRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. 